You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. This is Sister Lavina Francis Pamet on Dare to Love for our viewers out there for YouTube and our listeners. Uh, the Dare to Love is a program that cultivates vocation awareness in the Archdiocese of Chicago through discussion of topics related to vocation discernment and promotion. And today we have our guest, Sister Debbie Borneman, who is the Director of Mission Integration for the National Religious Vocation Conference, otherwise known as NRVC. Good morning, Sister Debbie. Good morning. And welcome to Dare to Love. And it's been a while, I think almost maybe at least a year since we had you. And that was before we had it on YouTube. And of course, with COVID happening, actually, it's it's a good development because now, um, even though you're not in person, at least I can, I can still see you face to face, which is great. So welcome. And uh, the title for this program, our theme is focused on the World Day of Consecrated Life. And for actually February 2nd would be the formal liturgical celebration of it. And then this weekend is when parishes would be celebrating it. So, well, first of all, before we talk about the, um, the event, um, why don't we reacquaint our listeners and, uh, and viewers about you, Sister Debbie? Tell us a little bit more about you, NRVC, and perhaps even your community. Thank you so much, and thank you for this invitation to speak, um, particularly about World Day for Consecrated Life, but also as well for the passion that I have for vocation ministry in our world today. Um, I am a professed sister of St. Cyril and Methodius. Um, I will be celebrating my 25th year of profession this coming year, this summer. And um, I that our community is based in Pennsylvania. However, we minister in seven states in the United States. We're not an international community, but we were founded over 100 years ago by a diocesan priest who wanted to, um, in particular, evangelize the Slovak immigrants. And so um, today we focus our ministry on education, ecumenism, evangelization, and 
aftercare. And I've been working in vocation ministry, ministering in vocation ministry for over 20 years now. So from the day of my final profession in 2001, I worked for 10 years for my congregation, four years for the Diocese of Harrisburg and their vocation office, and now um, over 10 years at the National Religious Vocation Conference. That's I right. I can't believe it. 20 yeah, years. 10 years with NRVC. I'm trying to count how many years I've been with uh, a member of NRVC as well. I know in 2006, right after my perpetual uh, profession, was when I joined formally. I had been helping indirectly with NRVC, but when I was appointed the vocation director for my community, the Franciscan Sisters of Sacred Heart, that's when I also formally uh, started. Well, first of all, with CAVA here in, in Chicago, locally, CAVA, which is the Chicago Archdiocesan Vocation Association. And Debbie, there's been such a, a special relationship with NRVC and between NRVC and CAVA because NRVC, I don't remember when it was that the national office moved to Chicago some time ago, right? And I think right after then, um, so over 10 years now, I believe. Is that right? Or were you? Well, we, yeah, we've been in Chicago since our inception, right. but we've moved four different times within the Chicagoland area. Gotcha. Okay. And I think because NRVC has kind of become, um, well, it's it's around the Hyde Park uh, area where CTU, the Catholic Theological Union, is. And so uh, so now um, on, on the slide for the viewers, you will see the NRVC's website. Oh, there I, they even found one picture that I sent one time that um, you were asking for pictures when we had our Zoom uh, when COVID hit and we couldn't get together in person, um, although we're looking forward to having an in-person uh, gathering in Washington State this year. So cross fingers, maybe it'll happen, and a lot of uh, work from the staff going on. So Yeah, there's a lot that keeps us busy, and um, with over a 1,000 members reaching out across the world, 10% uh, of our membership is international, which we've seen a tremendous growth in, especially now with the uh, global pandemic, um, the ability to use um, multiple ways to present workshops, you know, through webinar and, and Zoom and other ways that we really are able to uh, reach out and help people in this field of vocation ministry. So yeah, there's always something going on. So I appreciate you showing the website at nrvc.net because there's a lot of information there about religious life that's accessible to the public. Um, in particular, our five different studies, um, the research that we've done on religious life, in particular, recent vocations to religious life, but as well as um, information on how do you help promote vocations? How do you promote a culture of vocations? Right. That's all available to the public on our website. And people, if people are still not sure how vocation is doing because of all the things that we've been hearing. And sometimes um, some news uh, go out fast and some do not. So uh, the celebration of World Day for Consecrated Life actually is international. It's an international celebration, really. Um, so tell us more about this celebration, Sister Debbie. Yeah, thanks for your question. Um, because it is the international day to... Um, celebrate women and men who are in consecrated life in the variety of forms of consecrated life around the world. And it was started in 1997 by Pope St. Francis, uh, I'm sorry, Pope John Paul II. 
And so he um, recognized it like, what is it that we can do internationally? We have so many feast dates, good days in our church that we celebrate. And this was one that was perhaps overlooked in our church uh, history. And so it was in 1997. And so every year on that feast day for his the Pope's homily is um, it's something we put on our website because there's always good words of encouragement for those who are vocation ministers and for those who support vocation ministry. Mm-hmm. And so, um, first of all, that, that the Holy Father is using that day. It wasn't just a check off the list. We're going to do it once and that's it. But to be able to say this happens annually um, right from the Pope. And then the idea is that it also trickles down into our parishes into our community so that the women and men religious aren't the only ones celebrating, but it's really a day to celebrate for the whole church, um, the, the idea of consecrated life. And if we're celebrating and uh, encouraging parishes and um, all across the globe, what would you suggest? What would be like a, an easy way, not just to remember it, uh, for, you know, not just the Wednesday, February 2nd, uh, as the day, but of course the weekend for parishes, uh, how, how would you suggest people celebrate it? What are the different ways? So I have five different ideas to just toss right. out to folks to consider. Okay. One, one is like, go to our website at nrvc.net and go under the tab where it says uh, programs and, and look for World Day for Consecrated Life. And we have every one of the homilies that the popes have given on World Day for Consecrated Life. What would that look like in your family at home that you'd read through one of the homilies and talk about it as a family? Like, what is the Holy Father saying about women and men religious today, about those in consecrated life? And it's it's not a hard thing. It's like right there in front of you with a click, but yet families can do this to say, let's learn together. This is something that we don't know, but we can learn about it together. So one read one of the homilies and and then there's all the resources there. But the second thing I would encourage folks to do is never underestimate the power of prayer. Never underestimate that. And to pray for our women and men who are in initial formation. We know that when someone enters religious life, it may take seven to 10 years before they make their final profession. You know, that's, that's a long time. And so there's a lot of hills and valleys Um, to pray for women and men who are in initial formation. Sometimes the rallying and support comes when we hear that someone's entering, but we forget to continue to encourage them along the way. And also in our prayers to remember our most senior professed members. You know, I'm always in awe when it comes time for jubilees. And and as I get ready for my 25th jubilee, that's nothing compared to when I hear about the women and men celebrating 75 years of their profession of their vows. But to think about our older members, to recognize the the font of wisdom that they're providing and really to think about for them too, like how many prayers have they uttered in their lifetime? How many ways have they served in their lifetime? So just to pray for our women and men in initial formation, as Catholic sisters, brothers and priests, but then also our oldest members. And then the third way, I would love even to like the audacious thing is to adopt a religious community. <laughs> you know, there are over 700 religious communities in the United States alone. And sometimes people just think of one or two, but like, what would it look like if you, you know, went to Vision Vocation Match and, and learned about the different communities or just go on our website and say, this is who our family, this is who our grade, you know, in school, 
This is who our parish is going to look at, and we want to adopt this community. What does it mean by that? Find out about the community, like how they profess their vows, how they live their vows, who's in their community, and then send that religious community, you know, cards of encouragement or support throughout the year on different days. And then um, that would lead me to the fourth one is like, you know, like call a convent and just, you know, like say, I just wanted to, you know, let you know we're celebrating World Day for Consecrated Life today. We're keeping you in our prayers um, to be able to, or go on Facebook, you know, on social media. There's so many religious communities that are out there. What would it look like to just put a post up there to make a connection to one of the communities to say, we're celebrating with you today, you know, we join you. And then the last one is really, um, I think it speaks to the heart of the ministry that I'm involved with. Mm-hmm. And that's to learn about religious life and consecrated life in all of its forms. You know, to really to understand as a Catholic, as a Catholic, not that you want to be a monk, but what does it mean to be a monk in 2022? Not that you might not feel called to be a friar, but what does that mean? What does it mean to be a consecrated virgin? What does it mean to be in a society of apostolic life? or to be a monastic, or to be contemplative, or what do you mean by an apostolic sister? What is that? But really to make a commitment to learn more about consecrated life, so that as Catholics, we're articulating the good news about vocations, and not perpetuating some of those myths and misconceptions that people have heard, but yet are no longer true or were never true about this particular vocation. So that fifth one being the make the commitment to learn more about consecrated life. And again, there's a lot of resources out there to help um, and videos to help people to learn about it. But that's what I would encourage people to do to celebrate. Great. Thank you. So five ways. And guess what? We are going to take a break and then we'll come back with more questions for Sister Debbie. Uh, Stay with us. Don't go away. Catholic Charities, we fight hunger in Chicago throughout the year. Our six regional offices in Cook and Lake Counties work together to offer sit-down and to-go meals to anyone in need. We deliver meals to those who are homebound, and our eight food pantries offer three to four days of food supplies based on household size. Participants in these programs have the opportunity to learn about other Catholic charity services that strengthen individuals, families, and their communities. The challenges for those dealing with food insecurity are especially great during the winter months. To learn how you can help those who are hungry in your neighborhood, 
visit catholiccharities.net or call 312-655-7525. That's 312-655-7525. Thank you for your generosity. I feel special. <laughs> I feel great. I got good grades. We've seen a huge surge in our kids now meeting or exceeding grade level. Come check us out. You may have never thought we were an option before. Ancestry and genealogy are more important every day. People all over the world are wanting to learn more about their family heritage for personal and for health reasons. At Catholic Charities, we are hearing from adults who lived for a brief time at St. Vincent's Orphanage, the wonderful life-affirming agency that operated out of our headquarters for 91 years, serving thousands of women, children, and families until it closed in 1972. Our post-adoption services help adults who want to learn more about their experience at St. Vincent's. Our compassionate staff members provide whatever family background information they can offer, along with support and reunion services. To learn more, call 312-655-7093. That's 312-655-7093. The spirit of St. Vincent's lives on in the inspiring stories that continue to emerge today. back. This is Sister Lavina Bannett, There to Love, and our guest, Sister Debbie Borneman from NRVC, the National Religious Vocation Conference. Sister Debbie was talking about five ways to celebrate the World Day for Consecrated Life, and uh, Sister De Debbie Borneman has a lot of information, and if uh, people would be interested in checking the resources from nrvc.net, please, I actually just went into it during the break, and my goodness, um, you have videos in there, you have um, some explanation on when it started, and uh, about religious life and and actually which one do you want to um, to talk about next um, do you want to talk about you know like religious life in general because there's also you mentioned something about you know those who are entering and just mentioning that there are over a thousand members and the members of NRVC are vocation ministers so those alone are just um, and and that's nationally but you haven't even talked about those who are entering the communities as well, right? So um, please, um, you know, you want to talk about Abundant Hope. You want to talk about the resources, who's entering. Go ahead. It's your it's your pick. <laughs> Thank you for all the different options. Um, I think what would be great is that 
if I talk a little bit about like what I'd love people to know about religious life and then to be able to follow up with that conversation about so who's entering religious life today because again we hear so many different stories and so let's give you some information about who's entering religious life uh, would that be okay sister sure Lillian? go you ahead please yeah Okay, so when people say to me, like, what do you want people to know about religious life today is one of the, the statements I love to say right away is to remember that God's call is endless and that countless women and men have responded to God's call. Just, I mean, to remember that God's call is endless and countless women and men have responded to God's call. So often we get trapped into numbers and numbers are good because they can help us to face fierce realities. And at the same time, you know, God's not counting us by numbers, you know, not, it's not a checklist. And to remember that when we talk first about vocation, about God's call is endless, that God's calling everyone to live this life of holiness. This isn't just something for some people who respond to it. Of course, religious life is a distinct vocation. It's a distinct vocation. It's not better than um, other vocations. It's just one of the many vocations that people have to respond to God's call. So I would like people to know, first of all, that be attentive to the voice of God in your life and that God just doesn't call one time. It's not like today we're taping this on the feast of the conversion of St. Paul. And we can get so wrapped up in this conversion story of him seeing the bright light and being knocked off the horses or the horse. But the bottom line is that God continued to call St. Paul. Um, God continues to call us. It's not just, oh my gosh, if I miss this call, then that's it. Um, I made this major mistake in my life. No, really what I want people to know is be attentive to the voice of God throughout your life, whether that comes through um, music, songs that you hear. Like I was listening to the music at the break, through scripture readings, through the people that we encounter, through the beauty of God's creation. God is always calling us and it's up to us to respond. The other thing that I would love people to know about religious life is that there are over 2,000 religious institutes in our world today, over 700 in the United States. And sometimes we can act as if there's just one or two, you know, because we don't know, you know, all the different religious institutes and the forms of it. But to recognize that, you know, there's no one perfect community, um, that there's over 700 different communities. And so we might all profess the same vows or variations of those vows, and yet we do live it differently. And I would, you know, compare that to marriage in a sense of that, you know, you're searching out for that one perfect partner to spend the rest of your life with. And, and uh, you could search forever and not find that perfect person, but boy, there's a lot of choices, you know, for you. And the same in religious life is that if someone feels called to this life to be able to do, take the time to visit to spend time with members of that community, but to recognize that there's not one perfect community and there's not just one community there. And, um, and I think the other thing about religious life before I go into newer members is really that in religious life that the people who profess their vows, the sisters, the brothers and the priests were really committed to living simply and in solidarity with the poor, the marginalized and neglected. We do that in so many different ways, but that call and a response has been timeless for us, you know, whether it's the widow, the orphan, you know, but the recognition that um, not everybody is in the pews. And yet in religious life, we're called to go out to the peripheries to meet our sisters and our brothers 
who are in most need and yet could very easily be overlooked and neglected. And I feel that that is a call um, that we do very well as sisters, brothers, and priests to move outward to the peripheries, from the pews to the peripheries, to be able to meet the needs of our sisters and brothers and to accompany each other. And that is so true. Uh, So in terms of, you know, like going back to that abundant hope, what gives you that hope? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So simply put, it goes back to just saying that I'm convinced God's call is endless. And that for me is what gives me abundant hope that it's not something that, um, that has an expiration date on it, or I'm not doing this because someone told me to do this, or I was going, you know, I'm not doing it for the pay or I'm not doing it for the prestige or the pedestal. But to, the, the hope in this is that through all the challenges and through all the graces that um, God is still calling, you know, that, that call, I, I can't predict what God is, you know, like who God is going to call, but yet at the same time, it takes the pressure off of me as being a recruiter or me like having to, to um, get so many people to enter community within a year, like that I have to recognize it's God who calls and that my responsibility is to invite people. So I'm someone who is relentless in seeking signs of hope and at the same time, relentless in being a sign of hope. And when you look through the lens of hope, it gives you so many different perspectives um, and really enables me to live a life of possibilities and potential rather than limiting who I am and the choices that I have in my life. And see, this is this is why I always say this is a half hour show, Sister Debbie. There's just no way we can cover everything that you want to say, because we have probably two, three minutes at the most and so we got to have to have you back for part two. And, um, and so we're, we're going to have to have you, you know, back here next month to, uh, to ask you more questions. And, and so you can share um, this abundant hope uh, that you're talking about and, and probably talk a little bit more about, you know, accompaniment and discernment and, you know, what, what are, what's the trend going on right now and what would be a helpful trend for people who are discerning or getting that call. So that would be part two, because right now I think we only have like two minutes. And in those two minutes, what would you like to say to people out there, not just in celebrating the World uh, Day of Consecrated Life, but also in terms of vocation and how people can respond to it? Yeah, thank you so much for saying that. And I think part of what I would like to say or in conclusion is that there's tremendous joy in vocation ministry. And um, that's my staying power. That's how I persevere in vocation ministry for over 20 years is that no day is the same because it's not about events or programs. Vocation ministry is really about building relationships and helping people to um, uncover and rediscover this call from God. And so for me, that's what gives me joy. That's what gives me hope is that this time of accompanying other people, I can't control it. You know, I can echo back what I hear people say, and I can give them suggestions. I can give them ideas, but ultimately that decision of what, how they choose to spend their one precious life is their choice. And so there's great excitement and enthusiasm when they say yes to God, regardless of what vocation they're saying yes to, but they're saying yes to saying, I recognize God's presence in my life. I recognize God's voice in my life, and this is how I choose to live my life. 
in service to God. So that's what gives me hope. And that's what gives me joy. Thank you, Sister Debbie, for putting that in a nutshell. And and of course, you're you know I I'm excited to have you back uh, for part two uh, of this show. And um, for for those who are listening and those who are watching, um, the um, both the, the show for uh, for March will be shown in March. But um, we're gonna continue with this. So. Um, yeah, stick with us for part two of this show. Thank you, uh, Sister Debbie. And we'll continue the conversation. Uh, blessings to everyone. Thanks for listening and thanks for watching. This is Sister Lavina. <laughs>